So I think I thought I, I thought I'll start a little bit about who Health Issue Centre is. Um, if you're not familiar, we basically work with consumers, but also health services in transforming the health system. And certainly, from our perspective of what who what peer support is, I think it's it respects that the person living with a health condition or a carer has all the lived experience and all that they have to better manage their own health. And certainly, you know, if we talk about it from a ladder of participation. That's, you know, in a peer support setting, people supporting people is kind of best practice in, in a way. Of course, clinical care is really important as well. But I think that the two of them can um, complement each other, complement each other really well. Now, before I begin, though, um, in showing you the videos that we've developed over the last year, I wanted to invite Sue. Sue is the peer leader for FRESH, and I'm sorry if I get this wrong, it's the Frankston Epilepsy Support Group. She started the support group based on her own identification of the need in her area, and she is one of the, those people that was involved in the videos and, and has been part of the process of developing what these video videos will look like. So I just wanted um, Sue to start because I think she's going to talk about why peer support is so important across the sector from her own personal experience as a mum but also a nurse and why and what her hope is for these videos. So, and then I'll talk about my project. I'm going to read if that's okay. Can you all hear me? Um, sorry, let's get myself organised. Well, hello everyone. I'm talking to you today as both a nurse, as you've heard, and a carer of someone with epilepsy and a facilitator of a new group. In my previous home and community care nursing role, I was closely involved with facilitating support groups. And my constant interaction with clients and carers allowed me to be able to hear many of their concerns and issues. I remember then thinking, what would these people benefit from talking to each other about their concerns? Would it normalise them in some way? And this was many years ago. Would it be too difficult? How would you get a group of people who were already heavily burdened and physically unwell to come together and share? Well, as needs were identified, groups developed. People started to talk and tell their stories. They became more confident, more educated and more assertive. Although the nurses were doing a lot of the facilitation, the groups had taken on a life of their own people were ultimately beginning to believe that they deserved to have a better quality of life. Meanwhile, my daughter Rebecca, who's 36 years of age, doesn't mind that I'm sharing with you, lives at home with my husband and I. She has three types of epilepsy and is on 18 tablets a day. And it has taken a toll on her mental and physical health and her peer relationships. I've always felt strongly that there must be others going through similar hardship, but there were no support groups in our area for a long, long time. While I continued to work, I found it more and more frustrating that I could not help my daughter, who was sitting at home day in and day out. She and I often used to say, well, if something doesn't change, we will just have to start something ourselves. When I did finally give up work, we began to look at the possibility of starting up an epilepsy self-support group with the help and support of David Clun from the Foundation. I already knew what support groups could achieve. 
for the health professional, it was about being transparent and empowering others. It was about providing information and helping others to become autonomous. It was about helping people find a way through the system. It was about preventing isolation. It was about watching someone's confidence grow and taking risks. It was always about caring. And so these were our objectives and our hope for the epilepsy group. We started the group 20 months ago after a forum that saw 60 people in attendance. This number alone, I believe, reflected the need in the community. We now have developed a core of people, the FRESH group, and that's Frankston Region Epilepsy Support Group, that are happy to share with one another despite their diversities. They meet monthly and they have occasional social outings in between. What has changed for members? Well, my daughter, who prior to this was unable to listen to anyone talking about epilepsy without having a panic attack, has slowly opened up and started to tell her story. She now calls this her group, and I often look across the room to see her engaged in conversation with others, her often being the listener. As for myself, as a carer of someone with epilepsy, I can tell you it is life-giving to be able to meet others who know what you are talking about and whose stories and feelings resonate with your own. When I listen to them speak, I know they too have agonised as they have watched their loved ones go through the effects of a seizure. They know the shock and the fear it brings. They have walked this lonely road before, but more importantly, they are now walking it with you. When I hear the group members that have epilepsy talk about their fears and how they've coped with incredible situations and pick themselves up again to start yet another day, I'm humbled and in awe of their incredible courage. I asked the group last week why peer support was important and here are some of their responses. We are in the same boat. We are not alone. We feel confident and safe. We are not judged. We feel support. We can break up into small groups to share. We have a selection of professionals to talk to the group. We can share stories and experiences. A doorway has been opened and we have not looked back. That's some. I believe therefore that it is important for health professionals to become aware of the need for peer support and to promote this idea, particularly with the use of the video that has been put together for this purpose. I believe in the long term it would be beneficial to clients as they become empowered to take on more roles. This video is their collective voice and the voice of those that cannot speak. I hope that you may be able to link consumers into existing groups and or to be instrumental in assisting them to ac access their peers. I believe that there is a connectedness that comes from sharing that runs so deep one cannot describe its power or its depth. And finally, I'd like to finish with a quote from Helen Keller that the group is using as a motto. Alone, we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. Thank you. I think that's really powerful and a great reminder <clears throat> um, to answer your question on whether peer support should be broader than just the mental health. And I think certainly from the peer support network space, I think there's such an opportunity for health professionals and the community to realise 
the power and the value of peer support, um, especially when resources are already so tight in the clinical space. So I thought I would talk about um, a little bit about the project. So Health Issue Centre, like Chronic Illness Alliance, and many of us in the room were very fortunate to get funding from the Health Condition Support Grant, which is um, has wrapped up. But I think um, it was such an opportunity to put and de or to develop peer support resources in a space that I think is certainly growing, and, and I'm hoping that it will grow um, in the years to come. So uh, we we got three years of funding out of the five years, and when I started at Health Issues Centre, the very first thing I think I learned in, in the first six months of talking with peer leaders and staff like yourselves was that there was such an opportunity to raise awareness, and this is where you know, the whole videos came about. But raise awareness in both um, con the community, the broader community of people who live with chronic health conditions, but also with health professionals. Um, I think Christine alluded to it a couple of times around peer leaders struggling to grow their numbers. They struggle with their broader community members even realizing they exist. Um, and you know, I remember a really uh, important story which I'll keep with me forever is I think from MS Australia, she told me that some, you know, very often p chronic, people with chronic conditions find out about peer support or, or even talk to somebody with a similar condition five years after their diagnosis. And between diagnosis to five years, a lot of things can happen in, in your mental health, well-being, even your health outcomes. So I think there's such an opportunity for all of us to work, who work in this space to advocate, to tell people that, hey, a peer support group exists in your, in your community. Um, and partially that's what the videos are about. It's to raise awareness about peer support, its benefits, its impact, not just from a clinical perspective, but certainly from a well-being uh, and roundedness perspective. And equally, I think consumers were, I think, I think perhaps one of the challenges that consumers and staff like yourselves face is that health professionals do have wariness around peer support, um, rightfully sometimes. Um, but majority of the times, I do think that peer leaders, you know, are trying their absolute best. There are organizations like yourselves, from Diabetes Victoria to community health services who do support peer support groups in the sector. So I think the purpose of these videos have always been um, to recognize the value of peer support and to, for once, kind of put it into a video which showcases the, the impact that peer support can have. Um, it's also a reminder that there are organizations out there who do support peer support uh, groups. I was saying the word peer support about 5,000 times today. <laughs> um, but, and also that, and, and encouraging health professionals to have a conversation with their patients about peer support. And if they are a little bit uncomfortable, that they can often refer to an organization like a chronic disease organization or a community health center. So I guess it's raising awareness on both levels and creating opportunities for conversation between consumers, peer support groups, and health professionals as well. So when it came to the third year of my project and developing these videos, I wanted to make sure that all my um, hypothesis over the first two years was still relevant, and we ran um, a couple of consultations and many, many conversations with peer leaders and, and organizations, and I guess surprisingly or not surprisingly, the concerns were still the same that generally there was a lack of awareness about peer support in the community. And certainly health professionals, um, there was an opportunity to bust some of the myths that they have about um, peer support. 
So in a nutshell, I guess that's how the videos um, came into existence. There are two videos, and I'll go through them, first the consumer one and then the health professional one, and then we'll, do, we'll watch snippets of both um, that we've compiled. So people supporting people for better health is the first one. Um, they are both on YouTube, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, the reason why I differed from the word peer support, I think there is uh, sometimes a debate around the word peer support that not everybody likes it, gets it, so I decided that we'll just name it the way it is, right? It's people supporting people um, for better health. Um, essentially, the video is, this is the version that you want to share broadly to, to consumers, also to health professionals, so anybody who's kind of interested in wanting know, to know more about what is this thing called peer support. This is the generic, general one. Um, it has consumers and staffs like yourself talking about um, the role of peer support in chronic disease management, what it looks like. I think one of the key things that has changed over the last couple of years is that peer support has evolved signif significantly from just face-to-face -face as um, <laughs> As um, Christine had said, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's happening online, over the telephone, and you know, face-to-face -face groups are just one model, and that has changed significantly. So there's people talking about the different types of peer support that's out there. Um, we have peer leaders and peer support groups themselves talking about how peer support has helped me um, as an individual, but also how it has helped me as a carer. And so that perspective is also really important. And I think the third um, key point of the consumer um, video is how to get involved, because that's the whole point of developing a video, or the whole point of peer support is that we grow um, peer support groups and more people get connected to it. So we have organizations and, and um, going through their websites and saying, you know, how do you get involved with us? So in this version, you'll hear mostly from peer leaders themselves or peer support group members and some staff. The second one is, peer support, a self-management tool for your patients. So this is the one um, that is targeted for health professionals in particular. Um, when we were going through the consultation phase, um, many um, staff and peer leaders were saying, we need to target general practitioners, and I'm sorry if there's any GPs in this room, in that um, they play such a fundamental, important role in chronic care. And there is certainly, you know, the need for conversations between GP and health professional, uh, GP and the consumer around, there might be a peer support group in your area, would you like to check it out? Um, or at least start the conversation. So it is targeted at GPs, but I would say it's very general enough that any health professional that you put, uh, that comes to training about peer support, or if you wanna kind of change their mindset about what peer support is, this is the version that you show them. That's Dr. Jessica Brown. Um, you can see that she is a researcher at the Australian Center for Behavioral Science, nope, Behavioral Research in Diabetes. Um, she does basically research in peer support, um, mostly in diabetes, but certainly, you know, she looks at the evidence across. Um, and she was really pivotal in this video because she talked about the evidence, and one of the things that I think will stick with me forever is that just, and she's, I think you will hear it in a minute, that just because the evidence is slightly mixed doesn't mean that it's not good. And I think sometimes we do hear that from the clinical space where you, you need you know, significant values of P001 before, <laughs> before it's supposedly gonna work. But I think there is certainly value enough. Enough value from the changes that 
people are facing from going through a peer support group to say it could be something that's really beneficial for you. Um, so just quickly running through what the professional version is for. So it talks about why peer support is important in self-management and that it is part of the chronic disease model of care and should be. Um, it talks about, I think this is really important, health professionals do have a little bit of fear about the peer support group that's running out there without any governance. Um, and part of the video has been to bust this myth that yes, while there are groups that kind of exist on their own, there's a lot of support that comes from organizations <laughs> like the chronic disease sector and community health. And they truly help with the governance of things. They provide a lot of advice around policy, finance, and a whole gamut. I used to work at Arthritis Victoria, and I know the amount of effort that SJ, whom you'll see in the video, would put in. And many of you guys whom, whom I know, I know you breathe um, and support your peer support group so much. So it's not like they're not getting assistance um, out in their communities. Um, and also I talked about the myth around the mixed evidence, which um, Jessica talks about. And I think the, the most important one, I think for me in this video is that health professionals themselves have a role in this. It's not just about you know, referring it on, referring a patient onto a peer support group. I think they need to own it or at least believe in, in it as well so that they can have a conversation with their patient around, you know, do you think peer support might be helpful for you? Maybe you want just to talk to one person. You don't, may not be comfortable talking yet to a whole group of people. So I think there's a role in it as health professionals to create that or to open that door for our patients and certainly to refer if they know where groups exist. And I think that is a, gen that is a genuine um, challenge though. I think for us as chronic disease organizations, we ourselves need to get our name out and to let health professionals know where you know, communities or peer support groups exist in their local area. And I, I don't know a lot of organizations do put in a lot of effort in that. Um, we, we do have a site to Dr. Jessica Brown, and she actually wouldn't want me to call her Dr. Jessica. Um, besides Jessica and a lot of peer leaders and peer support groups, we have Dr. Ralph, uh, he's a GP, and he, I think, tied it in really nicely. And I, we wanted a, a clinician perspective about this, and clinicians or health professionals are you know, more likely to hear f or believe from each other. So he talks a lot about even himself um, getting in touch with peer support groups and actually visiting groups. Um, because in a way that's part of the education, right, of how peer support groups actually exist and, and how they work. Um, so that brings me actually to showing you snippets of it. So we're gonna see, they're both about five-ish minutes long and I didn't want to play the whole thing because then you, I wanted to pique your interest enough so that you'll go onto YouTube and check it out. <laughs> um, but what we've done is package bits of the consumer one first and then we'll go into the health professional one. And I'll play that and I This is the first time other than the people who have been working on the groups. Uh, you want to switch the light on, Nikki B? <laughs> Um, this is the first time that anybody else outside of the project has actually seen the video. So I'm actually personally very excited um, about them and the potential that they have in possibly changing the landscape of peer support or at least opening um, the doors for consumers and also health professionals. I think 
Um, I never got a chance. I know I've said many thank yous, but I want to officially uh, thank many of you will notice the stars in my video are in this room. Um, so you might <laughs> want to take a, a selfie with them. But I really want to thank um, <laughs> Sarah and, and, and if I'm probably going to miss, you know, Sarah from Cystic Fibrosis, um, Elise from Diabetes Victoria, even Susan, my colleague, got roped in um, to help me because she runs the um, Cystic Fibrosis peer support group. And probably many people in the room who, um, and Sue as well, who, you know, lend their time to tell their story and to share their perspective of why peer support is really important. And certainly it would be a very boring video if it was just words and I had no humans um, in it. So I'm really glad um, to have your input and in, in your advice. And I hope, you know, these videos are as much useful to you um, as they will be for the people who, who have been involved in it. Um, this is like the, you know, buy three, get one free. Um, on top of <laughs> the two videos, uh, we uh, our interview with Dr. Jessica Brown, Jessica, I keep calling her Dr. Jessica, uh, in that we had such a hard time culling her interview because everything she said was like gold um, to my ears. Um, and even Ben, the videographer who's never heard about peer support was like, I think we need to do more than cut lots of pieces out and, and she only gets two seconds in the real video. So, and I realized podcasts are free on iTunes, which is always a good thing. Um, so what we've done is actually taken her entire um, interview and made it into a podcast. It's a downloadable free, I mean, it's free via iTunes. All of this information though will, is on Hicks website, on Health Issues Center's website. Uh, certainly have a listen. I think it's almost 45 minutes long. So you, if you need your peer support fix, this is where you're gonna get it. Um, and she talks a lot about the research and the evidence and what her hopes are, you know, being in a space where she's worked in peer support for 10 years. Um, she certainly is gonna push the boundaries of where peer support should be and should go and where it should be available um, federally or across the state. So she has a few things there that might um, test our own boundaries of what peer support should be in the next 10 years. So I certainly encourage you to have a listen um, to her perspective. So I'm just going to wrap up. The whole purpose of, of, you know, developing these things is that it's shared and used. And I hope, and this is my hope as, as much as Sue had mentioned, that these videos become your advocacy tools um, in, when you speak to your consumers or when you train your health professionals that this is becomes a part of your training or part of your education. Um, they are, uh, are purposefully searching for this image. Go crazy. Link, <laughs> put it on Facebook, put it on whatever that's possibly available today and share it um, in your communities and in your health professional networks. Um, they are available on Health Issue Center's website, but they're also available on YouTube. So if you just search um, Health Issue Center, you'll be able to find it. Um, and the links to um, Jessica's podcast is within the description of the YouTube videos as well.